right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. Solly here. I'm here with my man, TC. Out here in Reno. Yeah, we are uh, the smallest big city in the world, I believe it's called. Littlest big city in the world. Yeah, I can't. I screwed that up like five times today already. Uh, we are at the Barracuda Championship this week, the center of the golf world this week. I think we can all agree. I mean, all eyes are on Reno. This is the most refreshed I've been going to a golf tournament, maybe since the LPGA event. It's just, it, it's, uh, the scenery's good. Uh, there's a nice breeze. It's nice to get out of Jacksonville this time of year. Uh, but this one's always been on our radar for, you know, it's always been kind of a curiosity for us, late season event. Uh, a lot of guys play it to get, you know, kind of get their their points standing in order before the Wyndham. Makes for pretty good watching as far as like all year everybody's like oh fedex cup points this like it actually matters now's the time of the year where we're actually looking at it and it's not you know necessarily who's going to be in the top 10 it's like who's grinding for their cards and it almost always comes down on sunday here for a couple guys that their livelihood is going to be decided this this week this weekend at the barracuda so uh, really refreshing to be out here we just sat down with jason bone and tim lumpy heron uh absolutely exhilarating interview that we're about to share with you uh, Wish we could have gone another three hours oh my god jason bone would have i think yeah. i think lumpy was getting ready to ready to roll i think at a certain point his caddy was waiting for him but uh there's no intros when we roll into this it's uh we couldn't even turn the mics on fast enough before they started absolutely going off so this one be i'm telling you this one go all the way to the end of this this was an absolute thrill we've been uh, i had i've been wanting to have lumpy on for a while i had no idea jason bone was this good uh they were both tremendous. i imagine we'll be doing another episode with these guys down yes for sure we, we might have to do a whole series with these guys so uh thank you for tuning in and uh without further delay here's jason bone and lumpy the first voice you'll hear and you'll hear him talk about it uh will be jason bone so here they go Ah, uh, well, uh, well it was just it was a couple well, no, weeks why ago you're nasally well yeah like so my voice is real like distinct and nasally and like loud i'm always like they call me my nickname is like 20 percent because i'm like 20 percent louder than anybody else out here on the range or anywhere i don't have to use any gain on the mics and, or anything yeah, that's right exactly now exactly right <laughs> so i mean i'm over in the mediterranean on a cruise ship this is two weeks ago uh with my family and we go down there, we're in the dining room, we're having breakfast and we in Barcelona, we're about to get off the ship and run out and do our thing. And I'm sitting there, I'm talking to my family. I mean, we're a small table, you know, and all of a sudden this, this young kid walks up. I mean, he's 19, 20, 18, 19 years old. And he said, uh, Mr. Bone? And I'm like, man, who, who would I know in Spain, Barcelona on this cruise ship? And uh, I'm, I'm looking at him, I can't, I kind of can recognize him, but I really can't. And it's, it's Steve Flesh's son, Griffin. Okay. And his whole family was on the cruise. And he goes, I didn't know if it was you, but I, I heard your voice from way over there. So I was like, so he knew it was I you. Mean, I'm just having like um, lucky charms with my kids at breakfast. You know? I mean, I wasn't like screaming or holding court or anything. But yeah. Does he knew it was you just from your voice? It distinct is, voice. It was very distinct, very nasally. How often do you guys get recognized wherever you go? <laughs> Never. That's in all honesty. It, well, Lump's probably so different. I mean, look at him. Like yeah, look got, at me. I'm an athlete. Well, yeah, he's recognizable. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You Very know? recognizable. But in all honesty, that's like the best radio. part about being a PGA Tour pro, other than being lump. 
you know, because Lump's pretty distinct Other and recognizable. <laughs> and, but like for a guy like me and my and the way that I've done in the last 15, 16 years of my career, nobody knows who the hell you are. And it's like one of the very few sports that you can play, have a, a you know, have a good career, have fun, like do all this. And you can walk into any grocery store, any restaurant, any, and nobody knows who the hell you are. And it's it's actually a really nice luxury. It's a sweet versus, spot. We, we've talked about this. Is who has the dream career in terms of like most money earned and least recognizable person or the most you can go through your normal day, everyday life and not be bothered in any Jason way. Jason Bone, right there's your answer. <laughs> I looked at your career earnings. I mean, best I, I don't ever. disagree. I, I write it on my shoes. My shoes say best ever, like on the side. Because seriously, it's true. Like, I mean, Lump's got to be so different. You know, you're Minnesota boy, oh, right? Yeah, you get yeah. recognized all the time. No, but they see me time. enough. I go, there's like a coffee store I go every day with my dog, Dunn Brothers. And now I'm just like, you know, like a picture on the wall. You know, they don't even, they're like, hey, how you doing, Lump? That's it. But four wins, tons of cash. Like that. No, like, I know, but I'm know, just saying, I mean, you know, when you live in your town, people, you know, if you're part of the town, part of the society, then you're just part yeah. of it. Yeah. It's uh maybe like in golf communities you get more recognized. But like if I'm at like a Viking game, no one knows yeah. who I am. I bet way more so. I bet if you if if they did like the cam that came down, the Viking cam and they pointed on your face and my face. And they would give away well, a prize. That's when they go could, into the yeah. That's when I go uh, in the locker room and give them advice at halftime. Yeah. <laughs> so are you guys like like buds on tour? Are you guys? Yeah, we together? play you... almost every Tuesday. Yeah, he I wants... got him going now just to play nine holes for a bunch of cash, and now we just play nine. Well, at least this golf course we play nine. What's the cash? What's the cash look like? Oh, it's little. It's, it's enough We're that not. we can bicker like and have fun and don't care. Like we always play this game called no bogey game, which uh, one of our good buddies, Carl Peterson and, and then George McNeil, we have a foursome we play all the time. And uh, if you play uh, 18 holes without getting a bogey, everybody gives you a hundred bucks. So it's not enough. It's enough that 300 bucks, you're going to have a nice dinner and stuff, but it's also enough that we can talk a lot of shit. Like, it's so nobody's feelings gets hurt. You know, you're coming down 16 and you haven't made a bogey all day. And you guys then, start playing super conservatively. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> then we also have like a, a game and then the guy that's doing the no bogey, he's lagging and he's playing probably the best. And you're like, come on, try to make that putt. What are you doing? We're partners. But he ends up like <laughs> lagging or I end up lagging. It depends on who's going with the no bogey. There's been one time where like three guys did it in one group. Yeah. I wasn't in that group. Yeah. I don't do it very often. It's pretty hard. No, actually. It's, yeah. it's actually really Once. intense. So the last few holes, because yeah, it gets intense. It kind of gets fun. It's too like intense for me. And we talk like you know, you're just not allowed to talk in their swing. But like walking up to the tee, we're like, man. I mean, I shoved this out of bounds last year, right here. Man, it was tough. <laughs> Hardest I mean, fairway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and you're throwing all the stuff at him, trying to get. But like the reality of it is, you, there's a chance where if you're leading a golf tournament, you got to par the last three holes. I mean, it's hard as hell to do. Yeah. And so we kind of like, and the pins are always in the middle. It's pretty easy. But it's hard to do because we're, you know, we talk a lot of smack to one another. That's what <laughs> I noticed when, you know, you guys obviously play for a lot of money on the, in tournaments and whatnot. But if you, if I'm ever like gambling with a pro or whatnot, and if they're down $200, like if you miss a putt on the 18th green for a couple thousand dollars, it doesn't phase you as much as like actually having to pay out money seems to pay. Yeah, well, that's not our money yet. Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> not until it comes to the bank account on Monday, but when it's coming out of our pocket, man, that's. You know, we got to play. I was playing with Steve it. Wheatcroft once, and he was down three hundred bucks. He's like, "Oh man, my wife is gonna kill me on this." I'm like, "Come on, yeah, I don't <laughs> think my wife's gonna kill me on that." But <laughs> yeah, yeah, we don't play for enough. That like, we want to have fun, and we want to play every week, and we want to like harass each other. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that's. I and mean, there are some guys I think that play for some cash out here, though. That would be kind of fun to get in those games. But how has the tour changed in that regard? Do you guys like? Are, are there still some pretty pretty regular weekly games, or is it? 
No, we just stick to our group. How we're has not, the tour I'm changed old. over the years, like since you guys were rookies in that regard, just with Well, we used to play I when I well, played you the played Masters, I played <laughs> when you finished third to Hogan back, you know, yeah, in the US Hogan, Open, yeah, that's that right. was pretty intense. <laughs> no, right we now. had an intense one with Phil, myself, John Daly was my partner, and John Houston. That's how long dating back. It, it had been the nineties. I feel like John Houston Phil came up with this great idea. Why don't you just play a money game? Play like a thousand dollars a hole, and why don't you take a percentage of that, Heron? <laughs> Daily goes, well, I'll take it all. I go, well, I got to play for something. So we did like two. I did, you know, twenty percent. I did two hundred dollars a hole. Long story short, we're down. We're finally we're down. We're about he's down like total. We're down ten grand. <laughs> I'm putting around seventeen. I get to seventeen. Everyone hits. He goes, oh, by the way, we. Double or nothing on the last hole. So we get up there. The first guy to hit John Houston knocks in the hole. No way. He loses like 16000 And Oh, yeah. Phil thought it was great. Whatever. Man. Like, what is this? that cash? I don't know. It was in the like, 90s. So, so it's but like 16000 I was only 20%, yeah. right? So yeah. That was 1939. $16,000. <laughs> yeah. I think Daly yeah. delivered his money in like a brown bag. I feel like Houston would be a terrifying guy to play a money game with. Cause that yeah, guy you want. Yeah. Makes birdies Him and, and Phil bunches. were pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Team. Who's the, who's the scariest Phil. guy to play a money game with then? It might be Phil. Do you have to pay straight well, cash? Phil's not afraid to lose. He'll play for anything. So he tries to kind of do what those, I think, what the like high roller guys do. You know, you throw enough money where you try to get the other opponent scared. Where he's never scared, so hmm. that's making me nervous talking about like, all that money. <laughs> yeah, what's yeah, no, what's yeah. an uncomfortable amount to play for? Like ten bucks, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, uh, um, I don't know. I mean, I think yeah, like that, like thousand dollars a hole would be super uncomfortable. Because I mean, like you know, who wants to lose fifteen grand to a guy on a? Well, golf I mean, I'm course, also trying you know to mean? work Augusta. You know, I played it maybe twice before that. Oh, these guys have been playing it for ten right. years. I'm like, I, I'm playing with you guys to give me advice on where the pin is, and John Daly's just playing as fast as he can so he can get to Hooters. <laughs> So, you know, <laughs> no, I don't know. Sorry, John. <laughs> it's true. It's, it's, it's true. Say the same thing. Yeah. So, I, so it's kind of weird. Like if, if you're just going to do the money game, you're just going out to play for money, but we're playing also to prepare for the tournament. Yeah. Too. A lot of people use the money game to prepare for the tournament, to get more competitive. I'd rather kind of hit chips and kind of try to figure out how I'm going to play the golf course. But I've probably played Montrose. This has got to be 18 to 20 Montroses or whatever. Wow. Maracudas or. Yeah, what's special about this tournament? What do you guys like about this tournament? I don't like the hills. I know that. Yeah, it's different because we don't play many golf courses like this, you know, that are on the side of a mountain. That's, I mean, the scenery is just. I mean, it's awesome as you see. It. I mean, it's beautiful. And the here. format's uh, great for yeah. all the elevation changes. Yeah, there's a lot of risk and reward here. You can start pounding it. Uh, you can. There's a lot of holes you could hit three wood off of that. You know, you might try to hit driver just to you know try to make birdies. And because of the format, it's a cool thing to not play stroke play. So your strategy yeah, once discernibly changes this week versus. I think all so. Other I weeks. think you play a little bit more aggressively because you can pick up. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, nobody wants a to make a double. On point of greens, you don't get, you know, a bogey's only one point, and it's like, all right, let's go try to make a birdie. So you kind of forget more about the, That's the, the big bogeys thing is, that you're making. and Yeah, you, you play aggressive to make birdies because even par 
can still be can produce a very positive number. I'm yeah, am- I mean, I'm amazed more amateurs in recreational golf don't play Stableford yeah. because so much of your day can be ruined with a triple on the second hole. And if a Stableford gives you a reason to keep playing, you know, you make a couple of birdies or net birdies, whatever level you guys play, what people want to play at is is so much more fun. It keeps you in it. Like a, a, a nine doesn't ruin your exactly. day, basically. That's why everything was so great when it was match play. Yeah. I mean, that's why the game was match play, basically, because, I mean, yeah, if you're playing some gutta percha ball with something, you make like a 14, it didn't matter. You got the next hole to win, and you're right back to even. Mm-hmm. We always play it on long long buddies trips where, you know, it's like six or seven days, and you can kind of, let's say you want to decompress for nine holes and just get shit-faced or something. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, can yeah. do that, and then start scoring again tomorrow. And so do you, like, add your scores, scores up through the whole We do a week. cool thing. We call that's it tilt, cool. where if you make a birdie, like your next hole is worth double whatever it is. So, so the more birdies in a row you make, and more you can yeah. get really high. You can get up to oh, like a man, seven times like multiplier. Yeah. So you're never out of it. And we play with handicaps too. So but you can give it back too. Yeah, because <laughs> there's a there's a let's say you make a double that gets multiplied as well. The negative points get multiplied. Oh as well. wow! Oh, that's cool. You guys got a lot of action going. We try. Yeah. We get yeah. a little yeah, bit. That's going. Yeah, that's pretty neat. Yeah, that's fun. We got well. It's way too long to explain here, but we picked up a game with some guys in Greenville called Wolfhammer, where it's like oh the, yeah, we played that. But game. they have all this junk that will blow your. There's about forty different junk dots, and it's. I don't like to get too confused though. It, you wouldn't like this game, then. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's. But the problem with There's some a of lot that of different game, ways though, of playing the wolf. you could just the, that hole could be over, and you not even have to play the hole. Like I mean, you could be in the middle of the fairway double. Like wolf a guy, and then like he's like, no, I decline. And is that right? And oh, then yeah. Bill you lose the hole, and, and you're done. And Haas and Ben Martin play it a lot. Yeah, back in Greenville. No, I could see that being real competitive, like oh, going yeah. at one another all the time. But like you could just be like, no, I'm so screwed here. I can't. I can't. You hit it two feet. I'm out. Yeah, I'm just, you can just bait people into going alone. The other yeah. thing is, you can you can make birdie on your own ball, natural birdie, and you know some guy misses the fairway, misses the green, chips in. And, He's taking a hundred bucks off. <laughs> oh, oh. Yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of shit talking, I have to. I don't remember the event, but I have to ask you about the televised moment. Was it at Was it at TPC at Scottsdale when you did the, uh, you no, went the full suck the it motion chop? Yeah, move? Oh, you got to yeah. tell this story. All right, you did yeah. a cross chop. Yeah, oh, it 16, was hardcore. Sawgrass or Scottsdale? Or, I mean, Scottsdale. Sorry, yeah, yeah. You would have been exiled from the tour if you did it at 16 Sawgrass. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. That, uh, it, was, uh, it was a Sunday, and I was, it was great. I was playing with Jason Kokrak, who is, you know, big guy, 6'5", tall, like just would send it. And uh, we're on 16, and he goes um, – we both hit up on the green, and he's got this red and white uh, shirt on with white pants. And we walk up. On the green. And these guys, I mean, it was pretty early in the morning, uh, maybe noon or something. I mean, we were we were anywhere near the lead of the tournament. And this guy yells out, hey, Cold Crack, you look like a giant fucking candy cane. All right. <laughs> and on 16, you got to admit, they're pretty witty. They're funny. They're, they say some good stuff. It's pretty funny. And I looked at him and I played with him all day. And I'm looking at him. I'm like, you do. You, I, I lost that. I started dying laughing. I was like, you do. You look like a giant candy cane. That's pretty witty. I mean, you got to give it to that guy. So I kind of tip my hat to him or whatever. And then he, we're both about 20 feet from the hole and he steps over it and right in the middle of his putting stroke, they yell, you suck, you can't make it. Uh, and it's okay. I mean, it's one hole. It's fine. And, uh, and we're in like 35th place, so it's not really going to change it. And he rolls it down there and he missed. And, you know, I just got up over mine. I had just a few feet inside of him and I'm like, hey, you know, it's coming. And you just absolutely know it's coming. As soon as you pull it back, they're going to go, you suck, you can't. So I pull it back and they said, you suck, you can't make it. And I made it. 
And so I turned to him and I pointed at him and I said, why don't you suck on this? And I gave him the old crotch chop. <laughs> and uh, they loved it. They all went crazy. They erupted and they roared. And I'm just sitting there going, man, that just cost five grand. You know, is that worth it? You know, I'm thinking that's conduct. I'm becoming a professional. And uh, so, I mean, it was momentarily that hit me in. So we get done, we get done playing. And as soon as I finished playing, my phone rings. PGA Tour headquarters. I know it's Andy Pazner. Yeah. It's our guy who does all our fine. Jason, hey, because <laughs> uh, I guess this is right when Golf Channel came on the oh, air or yeah. whatever, you so know, so they got it. it. And uh, he's like, hey, I just want to ask you on uh, 16, what happened? And it happened to be Scottsdale that night. The Super Bowl was being played. And uh, Seattle was uh, in the Super Bowl, and he said, what was going on? And I said, guy yelled out of the crowd, who's going to win the Super Bowl? And I said, Marshawn Lynch. And I gave him the old crutch, because that's what Marshawn does when he scores yeah. a touchdown, you know? And he's like, all right, what really happened? And I'm like, well, that's the story <laughs> that really happened. Yeah. You told Pazder you're just here so you don't get fined. Yeah, I told him that. And he's like, all right, that's pretty good, uh, you know? And I was like, nah. And then I told him kind of what happened. He's like, all right. And then... Uh, so did you get I, fine? I did not. No, oh. no, no. They were pretty cool. He but, knows how to talk himself. Well, he just keeps I, talking. I also, he just keeps talking. Then you forget. You're gonna. I was also now. sitting on the policy board at that time on the PGA tour, so that made a difference, baby. No, I don't know. I don't think that they're biased. <laughs> yeah, they're biased for sure. They are. Yeah, there's no doubt they're biased. I can't wait for you to get a phone call after this goes up. That's yeah. too perfect. A quick break. You guys have heard me say this, but Callaway has been the number one irons in golf, all of golf, for over four years now, thanks to the Apex, Rogue, and Big Bertha irons. They've now added another set to the industry-leading mix, the Epic Forged irons. These irons are stunningly beautiful, ultra-premium, and packed with industry-leading technologies to help you launch it easier and hit it further. Equipped with a 360 face cup for faster ball speeds, urethane microspheres for pure feel. I don't know what these things mean, but it all sounds amazing. The Epic Forged irons are truly next level. Big Randy has already been salivating over them, and we can't wait to get a set in the big guy's hands. Visit CallawayGolf.com slash Epic Forge for more photos, videos, and specs. They always do such a good job with all the photos and stuff on the website. Get yours when they hit stores on August 2nd. That's the new Epic Forged irons from Callaway, the number one irons in golf. Let's get back to Jason Bone and Tim Heron. Who, uh, who, Tim, who's the first one that gave you the lumpy nickname? Uh, it was a pro in a pro shop I worked in when I was 15 years old. So I've had it since I was 15. It went away for a while. And then I won in 96 my rookie year, and they it got out on tour. So I was never lumpy in college, which was a nice little reprieve. <laughs> but then became lumpy uh, 96, so... This guy knew Dave Marr that I think it was announcing back in the day. He goes, do you know anything about this kid from Minnesota? <laughs> we had known nothing about this kid. Just to, And I won uh, wire to wire or whatever, so they didn't talk about something. So he gave up the lumpy thing, so that's kind of how I've been lumpy. <laughs> Dave Marr? He still does the Champions Tour, right? Is that the that's same his guy? Son. Oh, that's his son that does yeah, the Champions Tour. Yeah, that's his son that does the Champions Tour. So that was. Story. That was back in 39. When you <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're still back in 39. I'm not that old, man. I was born in 70. I know. I'm golf historian over here. Yeah. What, uh, I mean, what, how much has golf, the PGA Tour, changed since you guys first started out on it to today in 2019? So, Columbia, your rookie year was 96? Yeah. What was your rookie year, uh, Jason? 03. 03? Okay. I remember Tom Kite uh, giving us all grief my rookie year about playing these Callaway Warbirds and all this stuff and that should be more traditionalist and play woods. And then two years later, he's hitting the Callaway <laughs> because everyone was hitting it by him. 
So that's kind of like just stuff that have changed. There weren't camps. There was teachers out on the in the majors. No one would travel with any teachers, whatever. No one had a trainer until probably 2003 when trainers and camps. And what you see is the money and then people follow the money and there's more people like doing podcasts and stuff like that. (laughs) (laughs) Where everybody's trying to get a piece of the pie. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Was there a better time to enter professional golf than 1996 in the history of the game? No, it was pretty good. Um, But that one guy beat me as rookie of the year. Oh, Tiger Woods. Yeah. Yeah. But it worked out okay. <laughs> but we, mean, we got a little piece of the pie. But it was like 2000. Actually, when the it was probably better when he did. That's exactly it. When I came out, that's when the purses were at their that's probably true. Their so my peak. Best, so my best years played, were in the 90s, actually. Yeah, I won three times in the 90s. I was like 25th in the world in the 90s. And so you won three out of your first four years. Yeah. Did the did the golf ball changing hurt you in that in that time period? Because it's really like 99, 2000 is when the, uh, when the golf yeah, ball really changed. Yeah, because my speed's always been kind of about the same as mm-hmm. it is, so... Um, you just see a lot of people do it a lot different than, and there's no like right or wrong. And kind of back in the day, there was kind of a right or wrong way to approach the game. Keep your feet on the ground. You know what I mean? There's wasn't the, there wasn't the reward. Yeah, you don't for, have to jump at it. It wasn't yeah. about the speed. It was more about the timing, like try to get the club in the slot. And that's how you get the speed. That's changed. And if you're out of this, uh, no, it's kind <laughs> of the same anymore. Huh? So I'm still back. In no, the, it's about just good, man. Just yeah. speed, man. So how have you adapted? Jump at it. Yeah, <laughs> jump right. at it. Jump at it. How have you adapted to that as as your career's gone along? Uh, you gotta see him jump. Look at him. Drink, <laughs> drinking, <laughs> pretty much. That's how I adapt. <laughs> vodka. <laughs> vodka me, changed the game. Me. Yeah. Um, I haven't. I mean, I don't know. I just uh, you just see kids coming out and they hit it farther and farther by you. So in the '90s, I was the first two years i was top five in driving distance now i'm i hit it the same as i did in 96 with an old like tailor-made burner <laughs> then now i got a do you ping just, 400 just circle certain events on your on the schedule and just say hey i gotta i well, gotta I just make know, hay this like, week. Uh, now i mean back in the day like hilton head probably wasn't my type of golf course now it's my type of golf course a uh, colonial uh where you kind of think your way around the golf course a little more Instead of just, you know, wind it. We don't, the old guys don't say send it. We say wind it. Wind it. You got to wind up like a top, you know what yeah. I mean? Wind it. That's George. Yeah. You're, how old are you now? 49, is that right? Yeah. 49. Are you, how much are you looking forward to I'm the PGA Tour champion? Yeah. 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 You won't, you won't see me again. Five times walking up every hole <laughs> well, today. What, I heard. I go, do you think, tour, oh, yeah, tour. whatever. You, you can't like, hear me. Yeah, yeah, all no, the time. I, I go, do you think on the champions tour, they'll play this hole as long? Yeah. Every hole, you say that. It'll be this long. You think the pin will be there on the I got like a 7-iron on this one. I'll have a wedge in next year. What are ages like 45 through 49, like on the PGA? You're 46, right? Yeah. What's that like? Is it just like, it's tough. Yeah, it's hard. It's tough. It's, you know, it's better now. I'm closer. But man, at 45, it was it was tough. You just didn't know what to do. Like, should I go chase the web? What should I do? Should I chase the web? But now I got to, you know, I've made a good enough career. I could be with my family. What, you know, so yeah. you kind of he hon and, you know, you got to be selfish at this game and put 100 percent. And especially like we were saying, these kids are coming. They're eager. Andrew McGee told me one time, man, that web's tough because these kids want to play. And this, we've already played at the top level. Now you're going backwards. It's pretty tough to get up for it, you know? Playing out of the past champs category the last, you know, however many Played years, enough. How many starts would you get uh, typically? Last year, I think I got 20. Okay. So if you, before the first reshuffle, if you have, make a cut or have a pretty good week, 
kind of sets up your whole year where you can get in. Like George has had gotten in a few more than we have. Yeah. That, that, that's all changing next year because they're going to reduce all these uh, opposite field events. They're now – their field sizes are 132, and so they're going to reduce them to 120. So those past champion guys are going to get in a lot less starts. And um, so that's all kind of changing, which uh, was – and I think a terrible mistake. I just think it's bad. Like, I understand if you, you don't want a guy – um, who is so far down in the past champion category to play your event that doesn't add a lot of value. So I think instead of eliminating those spots, you just reallocate them. You say that go to the tournament, say, hey, you want five more sponsor picks? Here you go. Mm-hmm. You know, but because once you eliminate a spot, you'll never get it back on the PGA Tour. It's gone. Like they're not going to go. And why is that? How does that work? Well, there you just go. one. I mean, in all honesty, if you, if we were to create a tour right now and do all this and and do it, you wouldn't have 156 man fields. You know. It would be optimum for everybody to have, like, the World Golf Championship, 78 guys. You're going to have the top players play every week. You're going to play less events. Television is going to be better. I mean, it's better on the officials. It's better on the stat. It's better on everybody, better on the tournament, fans. I mean, it's just the product would be better. But you, uh, that wasn't the mission statement of the PGA Tour, you know, mm-hmm. so it's to create playing opportunities for guys. and. Our financial opportunities for guys. I think there, is what it's that's, that's reducing it. Well, I was going to say, that's how a lot of the executive pay, or at least some of the executive pay at the tour is is determined, right? The number of playing opportunities. Well, and the amount of money that is set per playing opportunity, I believe. Oh. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's based more on money than Quality it is. Quality quantity, not just quantity. Right? Yeah, that's exactly right. So, if we're, if we're next year, if the purses go up another $100 million, that's a benefit to the PGA gotcha. Tour, right? Um, so, so adding events is better than adding spots to an already existing 100%. event. 100%. Gotcha. Yeah, okay. That's right. You want to add an event. And you your wanna, background, you're on the pack or have been on the pack? Or? I've been on the pack and then I served been on, on the board, board uh, for three years. Okay. I served a term on the board. Okay. Uh, you have to serve on the pack for two sessions and before you can uh, be voted in to serve on the board. So it was interesting, though. It's really a cool process because as a player, you just show up. Yeah, perfect range balls. I mean, everything's just. I mean, it's it's unbelievable out here. Like, is how well we're taken care of, from an opposite field event to a major. It doesn't matter. Everything's perfect. And then, so to go behind the doors and kind of watch the scenes of how it really works out, it was really interesting to me from a business side. Like, I mean, it's 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 hard. It's a it's a really difficult business. I mean, they we don't have that many uh, top. Fortune 500 companies that fit the mold to be a title sponsor of the PGA Tour, you know? So if we lose a sponsor, so I mean, think about it. You got whatever, 40 some odd events and you got 40 some odd sponsors. You got to keep them all happy. I mean, you want to talk about being a head pro of a country club? It's a hard deal right there. I mean, everything's pretty so, strung, pretty tight as it is now. There's very, not, there's not a whole lot. I don't no, want to, not a lot of, loose. not a lot of opportunities no. out there that are just sitting and waiting, I think. And, and then you lose a sponsor or like a FedEx or somebody like that. That's a major title player. Man, it's difficult. There's not AT&T, many FedExes yeah. out there. How do you guys feel about kind of doing away with the Q school route to the PGA tour? I didn't like it. I didn't I, like it either. Well, that's our age, though, too. I'd rather, yeah. yeah. I, I like the dream. It. I like the I like the the American dream is the the Tommy Two Gloves. The guy's working in a factory, comes out through Q School, busts, he's got two gloves on there, looks like he slept under a bridge for a month. <laughs> I mean, and then shoots 60 in the Sunday to win a golf tournament. That's the story. You know what I mean? Like, I don't I think that's so much better than seeing like a groomed young man come out just – Perfect golf swing, technically sound, you know, just can't communicate because he's on his phone all the time. You know, like, 
I don't think that's much of a story. The Tommy Two Gloves is what golf really needs, you know? So, Tell the story. Can you give us the story? I'm sure you've told it a million times on how you ended up becoming a professional golfer. Ah, yeah. The million dollar ace, baby. <laughs> like, I still smile. You came out early, 1992 didn't you? When, yeah, so I turned pro well you before came you. came out. Oh, yeah. I think you did. Yeah. Uh, kind of had to. Well, yeah, did, so, what was your amateur career up to, like, okay, to that I point? Okay, I sucked as an am. I was no good. I was from <laughs> no, Pennsylvania. No, you played. No, no, man. I, I mean, I was a Pennsylvania kid. Like, I didn't have anything. I had some scholarship offers in the Northeast to play some college golf, and I wanted to go in the South to play. And so I did a recruiting trip to Alabama. And the University of Alabama was at that time was the only team that would allow walk-ons. And so I was like, I'll take the chance. And the coach said, if you walk on, I'll give you a partial scholarship. And I was like, great. I didn't care. I just wanted to play golf and um, somewhere in the South because I wanted the weather. So I go down to Alabama, I walk on and um, I redshirt my freshman year. Then the beginning of my sophomore year, they have this charity fundraiser, hole in one competition to restore a home that wasn't burned in the Civil War. I, it was a dollar ball. I had to hit it within a six foot circle. It was done on the driving range. You could buy a million balls if you wanted. Every time you hit it within the six foot circle, it qualified you for the semifinals. I had 10 bucks, which I actually borrowed. Um, and I hit one ball in the six foot circle and they did this over the course of a weekend every month. And at the end of the month, then they brought all the semifinals qualifiers back and they, you would all hit. So if you had 10 shots, you, uh, they measured the 12 closest. They were just trying to get eliminate down to 12. Well, the night before is Halloween. I'm 19 years old, Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And let me tell you, there's costume party on every street corner. (laughs) And I think I visited every single one of them. Uh, I didn't get into about 4.30 that morning and had had a lot of Halloween punch and I didn't make it to my bed. It was on the living room. I passed out on the living room floor and my roommate came in the next morning and was like, hey man, you got that hole in one competition, you know, the semifinals and the thing or whatever. And I'm like, nobody's going to hit a hole in one. You know, I'm like, I'm so hungover. I just like, just leave me alone. And so he's just, he waits a few minutes and then he kind of kicks me in and is like, hey, you got to go. And I'm like, all right, the only reason why I'm going is to hear you shut up. <laughs> so I get up, I drive out there to the university golf course and there were about 150 qualifying shots to be hit. And they put everybody's name in the bag and they pulled my name third. And I was like, this is great. If I had a shitty shot, I'm going right back to bed. Well, I hit it like three feet, nine inches. So now I've got 147 shots. I got to sit there oh, and God. wait and watch. On a November 1st, in a humid November 1st in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and I'm going out and I'm laying on the range and I'm just kind of fall asleep and my coach comes up and he is, he can tell i had had a rough one last night. He just starts kicking me and he's like, man, you're a disgrace to the team. <laughs> and, you know, like, come on, like, you know, and I'm, I was just, you know, I was like, oh, I can't hear it. You know, the bells are ringing in your head. You're just like, this sucks. And so I was, I was the third closest shot in the final. And so... There was one other teammate of mine who qualifies. Kid's name was Greg Letson, and uh, the coach was all proud because this guy was a nice, groomed young man. And he put him in the cart, and I stood on the back of the cart, and I'm hanging on with my clothes on my shoulder. And because we were, all this had been done on the driving range, and now we're going to the actual hole to hit the shot. And he's trying to explain to us that if we win a prize of more than five hundred dollars, that we could lose our eligibility. And they had prizes for all twelve of us. So he's like, we got to make sure that, you know, this is NCAA rules. You don't screw it up. And I'm over there. I'm reaching down, leaning into the cart. I'm like, man, I'm turning pro today. Come, come, turn pro. You know, and he's just like, you're such an idiot. I mean, you could tell. He's just so disgusted. I get there. Since I was the third closest shot, they wouldn't let us use our own ball. They gave us a top flight tour at the time. And right now it's maybe 1.32 in the afternoon. I'm just ready to go to bed. And 
I tossed the ball on the ground. I don't even tee it up. And I hit this little heel cut nine iron. And it's looking pretty good. I'm like, oh, this is going to get pretty close. Two hops. Wham. Hoops it. Million bucks. Throw my club up in the air. I start racing to the green. And I'm high stepping. And I'm just going nuts. And my body, halfway to the green, says, that's it. And it just gives out. I hit the turf. I'm rolling up the hill. I'm trying to get up. I can't get up. I mean, it was off. I dust and dust all over me. And and then and it was filmed too, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It's on. It's it, yeah. They had to film it Is for it insurance on reasons. Oh. Wow. Uh, no, oh yeah, it's probably on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. you probably see it on YouTube. But we'll put that up with the, yeah, we'll with have the to find uh, that podcast one. notes. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it is. I've seen it in, uh, like a million times. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> and so, but the, the, the all right to kind of continue the story. So anyhow, I like um, at the end, all the other guys had to hit too because if everybody makes all in one, everybody gets a million bucks. So I was kind of pulling for other guys, you know. The next guy just cold shanks it because I had taken like 15 <laughs> minutes run up there, get my ball, like screaming. I mean, I, to be it was my first hole in one ever as oh, a golfer. Really? And so I'm sitting there. I was, I think, as excited about the hole in one part as I didn't, the million bucks didn't really hit me like at that moment. It was the hole in one, like, oh, shit, I made a hole in one. This is great. But my coach is standing there after the whole thing's over. We're in the pro shop and there's a sheriff there for the witness and all this stuff. And he's like, you know, if you sign this, you know, he's trying to explain to me. He's like, okay, you, you will lose your scholarship. You will not ever be able to play. I mean, he's right in the middle of a sentence. And I'm like, where is the, where is the fucking pen? Where's the pen? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, I'm, I, I it's might a million like a dollars. It's a million dollars. Where's the pen? I got to sign this thing. And so I uh, sign it. And then, uh, that, I mean, I, uh, yeah, I don't mean to keep dragging this on. No, but it's the, great. The, the great part about the story is, uh, is after the fact of hitting the home one. So it's Tuscaloosa. It's a Sunday night, and it's a dry county until midnight. Uh, and so at, I, so I'm just going nuts. Like I'm running around. Like I'm getting everybody. I'm like, hey, w let's go to the tower. Whatever you can get out, get me the cash. We're gonna go down. We're gonna party like it's 1999. And yeah. uh, it was actually 92. So we're, we're, we're <laughs> yeah, futuristic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That meant something like this. But um, uh, and uh. So I, I round up $1,100 from all my buddies. And I have this IOU statement. I still have the statement that says uh, who I owed and how much. And um, I, I, I go down to this bar. It's called the Brass Monkey. And we start pounding on the door at 1145 at night. And this bartender's just looking at me like, you know. And the, I guess it was the owner. I don't even know. And I pull out the cash and start waving it. Well, he comes shuffling over to the door. <laughs> and he's like, how can we help you? And I said, I had one hell of a day. Here's, here's the, I gave him all 1100 bucks. I said, just tell us when we're done. And there were like seven of us or 10 of us went in there the first time. And by 3.30 that morning, they had opened up the rib shack next door. <laughs> Everybody was in there. I mean, the place was going nuts. And the best part about the whole thing is they had it on ESPN. Sports Center picked it up. And Keith Uberman ran the thing. And so everybody, we're all in there in their pool hall, got two beers. I'm 19. So I had to show a fake ID to get in. And I'm standing there and I'm, I got two beers in my hands. Everybody's like, shut up, here it is, here it is. Everybody gets real quiet in this bar. There had to be 150 people in this bar. It was a tiny little bar. Uh, they said, they flash up 19 year old. And I'm like, oh, oh no. shit. And I'm like, I'm going to win a million dollars and go to jail on the same day. I'm like, there's not going to be many people that are going to be able to do that. But it was great. The owner of the bar came out put his arm around me and said, you don't say anything, I don't say anything, and I'm paying your cab fare home. I'm like, done deal, baby. 7 a.m. <laughs> yeah. that morning, they kicked us out. It was great. It was wow. so much fun. So then what do you do next? Do you just, like, do you get a check in the mail a week later? No, you got to tell them how you did it. You just, how, how, when, 
Oh uh, yeah, How it, was you a, decided, it was a big yeah. drawn out story. It was pretty weird. Like the insurance company obviously comes to you, and it's it, the way it was initially set up was a twenty-year uh, annuity. So I would get fifty thousand a year for twenty years, and they came to me and they were like, "All right, we're going to make you a, a lump sum buyout offer." And so I was like, "All right, let's hear it." It was like $167,000. And I'm just sitting there and I'm like, I know I'm in Alabama. I know I'm 19, but I'm like, I might not be the smartest you know, person in the world, but I know if I just stayed in school and kept the 50 grand for the next four years, I'm gonna have more than that. I'm like, you know, I'll just pay earned income on my taxes. And I was like, you know, we need to be somewhere around that between four and 500,000 for me to think that if I were to stick it all away, pay taxes on it, invest it, that'd be worth more. And so I just ended up taking the 50 grand a year for 20 years. And every November 1st, it would come and uh, it would be in the mailbox and I would pull out the video and I would make my family sit on the couch and I'd <laughs> pop in the video and I would play that video over and over and they were just like, no, we don't <laughs> watch it anymore. Yeah, so the last one where you, were yeah, you it all was 2012. Out? Uh, I don't even think we watched the video. I think it was such Day a disappointment. Yeah, like, it was, but yeah, I got So I collected all, all uh, 50 checks or all 20, uh, Checks for 50 grand. So it was pretty cool. It's like uh, Bobby Bonilla Day. Yeah. It's the one day. Well, November 1st is Jason Bone Day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jason Bone. Every Once day is Jason day. Bone Day. Every day is a Jason Bone like Day. I say that on the range. All I'm like, boys, today's Jason Bone Day. You better look out. <laughs> so, so what was the process for, from there? You never played amateur golf again? No, never got to play amateur golf. I had just qualified to play for my first travel event for the university. And, uh, once I signed, once I found that Penton, it was over. So, so you never yeah. played a college event. I never hit a college that's shot. Awesome. Never awesome. one time. What, yeah, yeah, what did you so start sweet. playing in? Or were you- I didn't, I stayed in school. I got my degree cause my parents had raised me properly to know that like, you know, the, the success rate of trying to make it on the PGA tour is pretty much zero. So, um, and you know, I just, I got a degree. And then after I got my degree, I moved to Orlando, Florida with my wife and, like started chasing the dream. But the best part about it for me personally and the way my I'm wired is I could have probably never made it professionally just due to the fact that I needed a sponsor, whether it be my parents, whether it been whoever. And I'm wired. So if I would have played bad, which I did for many years, like I would have felt so bad. I would have quit so much earlier than, you know, did giving it a shot. But it was my own dollar. I didn't really care. I was like, this is great. It's a free bonus. This is a free opportunity. So I and I was able to kind of parlay it into a career, which did was kind of cool. Did you touch the money when you were in college or did you just let it sit there? No, yeah. I just kind of stuck it away and did, you know, uh, I mean, I did the things that needed to do. I mean, I, I, I had more keg parties than most guys, you know, I bought the keg and, you know, yeah. I did a little bookie in on the side yeah. and I did some things like that, but I mean, like, no, I didn't really implicate like, yourself by the end of this podcast. Yeah, though, no, that's I, mean, that's, I mean, that was years ago, man. That was back. Statue of limitations. Yeah, that's right. So wanted to ask you on the flip side of that from an amateur perspective you got to play in the walker cup in your home state that's right at interlocking how was that yeah no i mean it was it was sweet i remember uh i came up the the guy that hit it probably the best and i was pretty good friends with him was uh alan doyle you heard alan doyle from you know alan you want to be partners and he goes from lagrange georgia yeah Yeah, Georgia. he pretty much said fuck you i don't want to play out of the woods (laughs) <laughs> I'm having Leonard. Why don't you have John Harris that hits in the woods like you and you guys can have fun in the woods all day. So John Harris, who is actually from Minnesota, is my partner. So I asked him to become partners and it worked out well. And we won. I think we only lost like one match for the whole Walker Cup or something. There was some rain out stuff, but it was cool playing for your country as an amateur. And you're playing with uh, quite a few, you know, college guys like uh, 
Brian Gay was on our team, Todd Dempsey, Bergano, who else? Leonard, Justin Leonard. So we've, we had a good team. It was fun. It was a good time. What was your first like memory? You, you coming in like right at the same time as Tiger. What's your first memory of Tiger Woods? Um, Milwaukee when he made the hole-in-one. And I go, man, they're just talking about his hole-in-one. All he did was make a hole-in-one. That's a big deal. <laughs> That's a big deal. <laughs> and then, you know, it was Tiger Woods. Hello, world. Yeah, so how about, like, I've never I, I got right? to ask, like, how about, like, did you, like, I remember when Tiger was coming out and they were saying, all right, they're going to pay him all this money. And I was like, man. I remember, I, kinda... when, I remember when he got his $40 million Nike deal for the one year, or maybe it was like a two-year deal or something. I felt like that the Curtis was like Strange the interview. one that, huh? yeah. Like, I really felt like the Curtis Strange. I was like, really? I mean, do, do, I mean, it's, this is not a can't miss game. You know what I mean? Like, it's pretty, it's a hard game. Now, obviously, what he had done was phenomenal, but, like, they kind of knew, like, that it was yeah. going to be like that. And that's in, that's impressive to me. Well, that's, know? the Curtis gets beat up for that interview, but, I mean, like, almost everyone, I think at least to that point, had gotten punched in the face at least a little bit when you come out of school. Like, nobody comes in and takes it by storm. Well, here's the deal. Yeah, there was no one ever. There was guys that walked around like a Raymond Floyd, Jack Nicholas. They earned kind of their strut i guess and tiger's saying it before it even happened did he believe it i guess so i mean it's proven that he believed in that he could win how many has he won now 85 events or something no like no he's uh, chasing he's 81 he's chasing he's 81 the yeah 81 yeah. and it's just amazing he believed in it and we always used to kind of talk behind his back oh yeah he had a c game and beat us by like 15 this week you know whatever but <laughs> Why is he even ranking his game? And then you'd see like his A game when he won Pebble. And now he doesn't even talk about it because now it now he he arrived. He's got eighty wins. He, you know what he does when he puts it in the ground. He's gonna yeah what's primarily the, beat everybody. What's the highlight of your career? Would you say the highlight of my career? Probably um, this afternoon. He won fifty yeah, bucks exactly. just today. <laughs> no, yeah, probably winning in '06 Colonial. Um, Colonial. Oh, yeah. Just because it was like. I think it was seven years, maybe longer than that, 12 years since I won. So I pretty much won in the 90s and then it took a long time to win again. So How cool is that to be able to go back to the same event year after year as a past champ? Now, that one, they were really cool. They gave me a sponsor exemption because they changed. I don't even know the year they changed it. Maybe like 03. So Bay Hill, I'm grandfathered in. Okay. Where I can go back to great, uh, Bay Hill every year. Colonial, I have to ask for a, a sponsor exemption. So... Now I'll, I'll be 50 next year. I probably would, that this was my last year at Colonial, but they, they've been great to me and it, they make you feel like part of the family the club and stuff like that. So it's a cool place to, to go and you got your name on the wall and that would be an people, awesome place to win. It would yeah. be really, cause they do, they make you feel like a family cause they yeah. actually run, they own that tournament. Yeah. I mean, they're, mm -hmm. I mean, they're the only ones. I mean, so yeah, that's pretty, pretty cool. cool. Like the members are really proud of it and they should be cause the it's Schwab's a phenomenal event. They got I think it's going to be a great yeah, fit. They, they've for done them. a great yeah. job. God, you guys are doing our work for us. Yeah. Schwab's a partner of ours. We didn't <laughs> yeah. have to say uh, anything. Yeah, Schwab. Yeah. Let's say it again. Let's say it real life. Schwab. Schwab. Yeah, exactly. When you came out on tour, who, I, like I always get the sense that the Minnesota, the the upper Midwest guys, kind of stick together. Is that the case? Like was I hung out? Or? I hung out a lot with uh, Tommy Tolls, Nolan Henke early. Okay. And how did I know Tommy? I don't know. I met him in the airport or something. But who else did I hang out with? I can't yeah. think of Tommy Tolls without Joel thinking Edwards, of Tommy Tolls. Massive sleeves that he was wearing at the. Yeah, he had the long sleeves, yeah. and he always wore a Swatch watch. <laughs> swatch. And and then he uh, his you caddy Kenny McCluskey had a green. And Fincham couldn't stand this guy. He had a green mohawk. 
and Tommy <laughs> had purple hair. They made, he had purple hair one year, and then Fincham came up and told him, "Yeah, you guys, no more mohawk, no more purple hair. Yeah, just we, look normal, Fincham whatever." Like but now it's like colored tennis shoes, huh? He doesn't like colored tennis shoes for caddies. He hates that. Who? Fincham. We, we had a big discussion. Him, on yeah, it. It was we had a fundamental leave, disagreement. So he's gone now. We were just talking today. Remember when you couldn't wear shorts during practice round on the PGA Tour for like ever, and then I'd they changed. Still wake up in the morning going, "No, oh yeah, I guess I can wear shorts." Right, Nobody oh. even batted an eye at it when the rule changed. I don't understand what the resistance was against that for so long. Was that something probably you my for legs? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I think yeah we. I mean, we all talked about it and wanted yeah. it to happen, and it was just a matter of them saying, okay, let's do it. Do you know it. how long you know? I've been listening? So that's a, that's a perfect example about what you've seen evolved and changed in 25 years. Perfect example, Bob Tway used to, like, we should do nine-hole pro-ams. Ugh. Everyone's in a better mood. You're going to get the pro- pros only out there for three hours. You can hang in there for three hours and entertain yeah. amateurs, right? And now they finally, after 25 years, they finally did it. But yeah. As, That's as how long things take. Yeah. As it's kind of like the, the Champions Pro-Am. Tour. They talk about 45. It's going to take another 10 years until it gets down to 45. Yeah, but that's inevitable. That'll change, too. It'll change, but it'll take 10 years. It takes a long time to get things done. Yeah. As if better. you could change one thing right now, what would you do? On the PGA Tour? Yeah. That the Champions Tour is 45. Oh, wow. I don't know. I think they do a hell of a job. I mean, it's like it's difficult work. I can't imagine that. Um, I, I think what we're going to struggle with on the PGA Tour more so than is longevity. Like, you know, like I, I think Lump is a minority. I mean, for Lump to come out and play from college, from his amateur days, all the way till he turns 50, Jerry Kelly, Steve Strickers, that, that, that's not happening anymore. It's not anymore. And, and, not, I just, and they're not creating the opportunity anymore, like what we said earlier. Yeah, I think that that's sad, to be honest. I really do. I think because, like, I mean, my kids right now are growing up with Ricky Fowler and Jordan Spieth, right? And I would love for them to be able to follow them for the next 25 years and watch their career. And I just think there's too much money in the game. There's too much speed in the game. There's Mm -hmm. too many things that are going to make that very difficult to happen. And um, I just, (laughs) I think that's kind of sad, to be honest. You know, like, the, the money is awesome, but it's also gonna it's changed the product it's kind quite of a numbs, bit. So the product and the yeah, philosophy has changed too. I mean, I remember is about hitting the ball straight and accurate, like a Jim Furyk, right? He had the perfect game and he had an unbelievable career, and he can still play well. But he's got to pay. You know, it's Hilton Head, TBC, Colonial. You look at the golf courses that he. I mean. He won't even probably even go to the 3M up in Minneapolis. I mean, and that's a bomber think that's course. That's something that they that they could do a better job of as far as course. Well, setups? they made they made a rule in the course setup where it's only three and a half inches thick. Back in the late '90s, early 2000s, they had like hay rough. I mean, the rough was really thick. Guys were getting hurt, wrists. Uh-huh. So you know, they made a rule: PGA Tour events three and a half inches. You know, top the rough. That way, guys aren't getting as hurt as they used to. But the reality of it is, to be a hundred percent honest, when you turn professional, okay, I, I and I, this is a hard thing to say, but the integrity is out the window. You're done. You're 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 an entertainer. You're you're not. There's no integrity in the game anymore. It's you put on a show which is televised to be sold, 
and that's all you do. And so your job as a as a tour no, professional, is, I, I mean, it's true. It's it your is. job as a tour professional is to go out there and put on one hell of a show. And they're doing it right now. The Brooks Kepkas of the world, it's fucking phenomenal. This guy stands up there and hits it 340 and goes, I don't practice. The only time you see me play is when I'm on TV. <laughs> like, that's awesome. I mean, because nobody can relate to that. Yeah. So that's what makes it so spectacular. That's why you can't wait to turn on the television to see what's Brooks Kepka going to do today. You know what I mean? That's really cool. See, that's where so, I, up to that point, I was in agreement. But I think where I would argue is I think with the way things are trending, people don't have a great enough reason to tune in and watch because everything's so very uniform and watching on TV is so commercialized. It is commercial. Com it, the flow of it is so, it's a struggle. It's a struggle for sit down. And, so to that point, it's an entertainment product. It's, it should be more entertaining in some way. You know, they need to steer into that entertainment factor more in the way it's presented on television. It's awesome 100%. to an event, but that gets lost in translation when they when It they should not on be on cable television. I mean, it should not be on like CBS, NBC. It should be 100% HBO. You let us call the shots, people are going to watch because we're going to say everything about like what it is. You know what I mean? Like I, I couldn't agree more. It's too commercialized. It's too like if you want to take a good nap, sometimes it's a great thing to turn on a little golf and lay back. And because, I mean, the way that it's described and the way it's going on, you're like, oh, man, this is great. And even with you newer know? newer guys and you see some guys are going to be fading out. I think CBS is going to do some rollover. I don't know exactly what's going on, but you'll see even the newer guys sound like the older guys. Like they kind of groom them to be oh, like, yeah. you know what I mean? The they're not even model, like, yeah. I mean, I've listened to Colt Nose. I've known Colt and he's a funny guy, but he's sounding like, uh, like the regular guy that's on there. You they know? need a nasally guy that they can <laughs> recognize with, yeah. and, uh, on a cruise ship in the Mediterranean. That's <laughs> what they're looking for. They how need you, that. How do you guys feel about slow play? Do you think that's kind of a dead horse that people are beating on right now, or is it a legitimate issue out there? And has uh, it gotten it's worse over the years? Slow. It's, it's always, always been, been slow. slow, but it's always like uh, it, it's weird to even with the rules official, it's, difficult because they're like well this is your guys rule you guys got to figure out we're just enforcing the rule so it's always kind of like an argument that way i don't nobody know. thinks they're slow right well nobody thinks they're slow and the golf courses are set up harder so the shots are harder you got to take more time or you could look really stupid you'd be tripping across the green into water and then you're trying to figure out where to drop and stuff no you got to think Sometimes you get in a predicament where you got to think on all right where's my best opportunity to make you know you got to think Take some time to think. At least if you're slow like me, it takes a little time to think. It's so close. It's so close now. It used to be not near as close even when I came out. I mean, like, cuts are so tight. I mean, you're, you know, there's, like, every every cut you look at, it's going, they're pushing the maximum guys that can make the cut. I mean, there's just so many. It's every half a shot is just so big now on the PGA Tour. That's why people are taking so much longer because everybody's so good and everybody's so close together And as far as uh, they're the competition's concerned. So going back, what's your career highlight other than the million dollars? <laughs> That's right. Cause it kicked it off. I don't know the brass monkey, when I had two beers in my hand and I got, uh, <laughs> no, um, honestly, my very first win was at the BC open in Endicott, New York. And, um, like I still get kind of choked up thinking about it because I had my first son three weeks earlier and it was the first time he came out on the road with my wife. And it was, I mean, I give my wife so much credit for this because she was like, okay, look, here's how the process works. You're up one night, I'm up one night. 
We're just going to rotate. I don't care where you stand. It does not matter. This is life. This is not golf. This is your job. It's great. But this is life. This is how it's going to be. Like, we need to raise this child together. We both need sleep. We both need to, you know, have a, uh, like, and it was, it worked. I mean, and I won that very first week that they came out. And I'm sitting up at three o'clock in the morning, feeding my son and knowing that I got to play the next morning. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was great. We just rotated and we did it equally and evenly. And I would think now I'd be like, no, I'm not doing that. That's crazy. I mean, I'm the, <laughs> I, I got to play tomorrow, but like, believe it or not, I like, I don't know whether she did that consciously or subconscious, but it worked because I didn't think about any bit of golf. It was like, holy cow. You know, I mean, like, I got to feed this guy, I got to get some rest. <laughs> I mean, like, that was, you know, and, and so, but that moment, like, when I made the pot and won, staying on the green with her and him was really cool. How long had you been grinding out on, you know, like, I, I know that you played Canadian s- Tour, yeah, yeah, oh, years. Yeah, years. I couldn't even tell. Uh, so I started playing 95. That was 10 years. 10 years uh, from the time that I really kind of started playing like professional golf and then until I won on the PGA Tour was... And, and how then, many times in that 10 years were, were you like, all right, this is this is it. I'm going to hang it up if this doesn't happen. Uh, a couple of years before that, I was hanging it up and, you know, she was like, all right, I'm going to get you a plane ticket. You're going to go Monday qualify for the... At that time, it was... I, it, one, it wasn't... Man, but, uh, nationwide tour, I think it was. And so I went up Monday, qualified in top 25 and just kept rolling and got my tour card. So, but I was in the interview process when I was doing that for a job. So I was actually hanging it up and then top 25, then just kept rolling and it just kind of all worked its way out. But this is better than anything you were interviewing for, I'm sure anyways. So, so yeah, yeah, it worked out. I mean, yeah, it, it did work out. Actually, the place I was, I was going to be a golf professional at a golf course that I actually ended up building a house on. Oh, right. So it was kind of cool thing, you know, and then, yeah. So you ended up where you were going to be. Yeah, anyway, that's right. But I was just a just member. A I got to way. bitch at the golf pro instead of, have the, <laughs> instead of be that guy that got bitched at. You shot 58 on the yeah. Canadian tour. Yeah, that was a pretty cool moment. I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> Did you play all 18? Yeah, yeah, that was pretty cool. Actually, that was Mike Weir's home golf course in Sarnia, Ontario. And it was the week of September 11th and the weekend after September 11th because we were all stuck. It was a border town and we couldn't get across the border. They closed the borders. And so we were one of the few professional sports that actually played that weekend because they were like, we can't do anything. Nobody can leave. Nobody can come in. We might as well play. We might as well just play. We're all here, the volunteers, everybody. And so, um, yeah, that was on Sunday. And um, it was cool. I was nine under through seven. And so I, I, I had That's birdied good. all <laughs> the I, – I had two eagles and the rest birdies. Uh, so I had five birdies and two eagles. And then I bogeyed number eight. Oh, my God. And then I birdied number nine and birdied number ten. And I was like, oh, man, something – that's pretty good. When, and, when you're nine under through seven, I mean, are you like are, are alarm bells going <laughs> off or are you just like, hey, you let's know, just keep you know, it. Keep honest, I didn't think about any uh, thing. This is Canadian tour. You know, I didn't. It was a it was a golf course. We were shooting some pretty low scores on. I mean, it was gettable. And um, so I just kept thinking, hey, I'd started six back of the lead. I wasn't, you know. And then, you know, I'll, when I made the turn, I mean, I was three ahead. You know, the guy, he was walking to the first tee, and I'm making the turn. I'm like, hey, mate, you're three down. Three down. Because, you know, it was a key tour. We were playing for eight money, so we were just yelling at each other. And uh, and so we go to the back nine, and the caddy who I had, caddy for me out on the PGA Tour for a good 10 years. Um, and we're on 18, and it was a par five. And I had a like a four wood, perfect number, 
like to hit into this par five. And I'm, uh, I'm like, it's par 71. So I was 13 under at the time. And I'm like, what do you think? It's just forward right in the middle of the grade, right? Two putts, shoot 57. I get, I mean, I'm thinking Heinz 57. I'm carrying a Heinz 57 bag next week. I mean, this is all, <laughs> I was seriously thinking about sponsorships. I was like, man, 57, man, that's great. Like there's, and uh, he goes, uh, it's no, no, you lay it up. And I'm like, and he goes, if you pull the forward, I'm breaking it out over my knee. And so he, he handed me like a six iron and there was a creek that was no wider than that table, two and a half feet wide that was in front of the green. There was no other trouble. Like I, it was almost impossible to hit it in that ditch. Yeah, like I mean, he, it'd be a bad break. It would be a really bad break. They'd be in the ditch. And, uh, but his job and his goal was to win the golf tournament. And at that point we were ahead of the golf tournament. And my job was to get sponsorships and shoot 57. <laughs> yeah. And so, but, uh, I laid up, made par. And, Ugh. uh, so I, I didn't end of the story. I know. It's just kind of, right, we're going to end, we're going to end yeah. the interview right here. Yeah. yeah. This is the wrong so podcast. Sucks, Cause that. I mean, you're right. I probably have, 57 tattooed on my forehead yeah. that I, you know, uh, Tim, I want to ask you every year. One of the highlights of the spring is when you post your scripting for the masters. When did that start? And, uh, who did it started, you do all that it started in a bar? I'm not very good at like, uh, doing all the heat. Yeah. My buddy does it, but, uh, like we sit down every year and all right, what are we wearing this year? You know what I mean? <laughs> Have it fun. How it started is Baba laid out his like white uniform like every day like he's gonna look like the milkman one day the ups man the next day i'm like really now we're laying stuff out showing <laughs> people i don't even know what i'm gonna wear after i get out of the shower in the morning <laughs> tried to throw something together I'm like, right, we unmed tell. bay and med yeah. un, 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 unmed or wait huh, whatever i'm not drinking either um so <laughs> anyways we were like all right let's poke fun of him that's kind of how it started who uh how much has that on that beer drinking note has when you first came out on tour, is that scene, is there, I guess there's a dividing line of like guys that will go out and tie one on or, and guys that just absolutely won't. What's that scene look like? It used to start in the locker room. Really? And now it's only when like Lee Westwood and Darren Clark come that you get to sit (laughs) down and drink a beer in the locker room anymore. When they're playing, you're like, Oh, right. We get to have beers afterwards. Cause there's somebody in there sitting there, but yeah, it's, it's gone. Miguel Jimenez. Yeah. You'll have a, beer uh he'll have a cigar and beer after lunch and then he goes to practice i was gonna say yeah <laughs> like i'm not going to practice after that but that's what he does yeah i don't think there's i it the, i think it's become uh it's just so much money you might yeah. as well do it after right so have you guys changed your way like do you guys still a little bit i mean i just try to you know sundays or whatever probably healthier too you know than having <laughs> yeah, you still like to tell oh, no, I like to, no i like to dip I know, in. It's fun. i like to yeah. like but i think that's i i'd say that in all honesty we have way more fun and practice rounds and do things we all like typically for years the last few years when our families aren't out together we all dine together we go out every meal i mean every night it's hey 6 30 we're here we're eating yeah we got know. the arp card going man we do it early <laughs> 6, yeah, 6 yeah. 30 well we try to get the discount george right? mcneil he's got every toes up at 8 30 you yeah. get to bed every night at 8 30 <laughs> uh i want to ask uh, you know kind of looking at your guys careers and career earnings and everything i think just to ask it directly kind of what does a, a travel year look like expense wise and does it vary a lot from year to year i mean how much money do you guys spend on yeah, traveling flying hotels and i mean do you look at it year to over be year? quite honest i don't look at it that much i mean i kind of know where i'm gonna stay i'm not staying at the ritz or anything like that i like those uh hotels where you can just drive up I like to make sure my window can open. I don't know why at a hotel. 
I Red like to be inn? on the bottom floor. <laughs> a newly renovated residence inn or Spring Hill. Yeah, yeah something like that. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's something awesome. Like that. That's yeah. exactly what we're looking for. You got a little kitchenette. You got a refrigerator. Yeah, yeah. courtyard Marriott. Yeah. Those things, those places are so much easier. Yeah. Than going into a lobby like a Ritz and, you know, oh, I don't have ice. Where do I go to the ice? You know, whatever. Well, somebody brings it to you. I know, but it's <laughs> just easier. <laughs> But right? that's what yeah, I think you can look at like your your earnings at the end of the year. One, you guys get taxed very heavily, and then you guys have a ton of expenses with caddies and travel and yeah. whatnot. So it's it's things are different. I would imagine that it's not like that's not just and 16. it's usually on, on how much you're making. You know, the caddy's the big biggest expense, wouldn't you think? Yeah, probably. Yeah, because if you're playing well, making a couple million bucks a year, you're um yeah, you're paying your caddy. I'd say your at caddy's probably making ten percent of what you're making when when you know by the time you do a salary and then pay you know. So yeah, you're paying your caddy out a couple hundred thousand, and then you're pushing probably a hundred grand to you know uh, travel for sure. And it just depends. I mean, like uh, I know uh, when you're playing well, you know you might buy some hours uh, privately to get yourself around a little bit. And when you're not, you know, especially getting in and out of here, this place is hard. Yeah, yeah. Went from Lexington, Kentucky to uh, that's not here, the easiest it was double. Hard, no. yeah. <laughs> huh? That's not the easiest double. You gotta- no, that was like three. Wasn't it like three uh, stops? Are the airlines, I'm sure you guys are probably both Delta guys. You're probably yeah, I'm, diamond on I'm Delta, Delta, right? No, I don't know. I'm it's like, impossible to be diamond on Delta Atlanta, anymore. I mean, holy cow, yeah. yeah. Well, so no, are, they, are they pretty flexible with you guys as far as no. switching no. it up or no? It's <laughs> no, just like you're, no, you're no, paying no, no. change but fees and all that what stuff. What I've learned is you you do anything like in advance, everything like changes Yeah, out on the road. So you miss a cut. You're kind of pissed off that you miss a cut. You're like, all I want to do is get home right now. Mm-hmm. But then I got that flight on Sunday. Now to change, it's 500. So you just buy full fare tickets pretty you much. Buy, you can't believe how many tickets you buy on the way to the airport. Like you're yeah. in the car on your app buying a ticket and, and that, you're on the next flight. That's one thing you just got to suck just, up. It's going to be 700 bucks to fly home. Yeah, it's just you're it's like, inevitable. Hey, it's cheaper than private, so you got to always kind of, you know. You yeah. built that cost into your head of yeah, like, yeah. it doesn't matter. Pri- private's five grand an hour. Yeah. And I'll be honest, like corporate uh, or, you know, uh, what do I want to say? Equipment, manufacturing money that you used to get paid to play, you know, stuff was a lot different than it is now. I mean, they used to used to make some pretty good money. It's a shrunk um, up a little yeah, bit. And yeah, and it's definitely tightened up. But, you know, the, the companies aren't making money in golf anymore. So it seems like so. equipment and apparel, they've both. Yeah, tightened up it's to where down. it's like the top 30 or top 50 yeah. guys are yeah. making money and then everybody else that's is right. pay the top yeah. guys. So. That's why I would totally tell a young kid that's coming out. I'm like, all right, look, you, you got to put the phone down. You got to get yourself a personality and you got to go out and attack some of these corporations, carry a corporate bag, do some outings where you can make. I mean, some of these outings that you could get paid, you could make thirty, forty thousand dollars in a day doing it if you've got really? the proper name to do that. But you've got to be personable. You've got to, you know, you've got to be able to express yourself, tell great stories, have fun, because if you can give them a little bit of the locker room. Uh, experience it goes so far. Can't I mean, way tag. more than that you're going to make off a driver. And I mean, what? I mean, it's a couple of days. Yeah, you know, I mean, it'll be out of your own time. So awesome. Well, we took you guys for an hour. Yeah, this aren't is... you guys happy that I brought Jason? See, I don't even have to talk. You <laughs> yeah, guys yeah, don't have sorry. to talk. You talk the whole time. Yeah, wait, we're out but of look, time. Let's do another hour. I could have. Yeah, I could have. <laughs> no, I'm ready to go. No, I was going to ask you about Kirk the 99 Kirk Triplett shot 63. Huh? I was going to ask you about the 99 uh, or the 99 U.S. Open. You were yeah, I played last, with Tiger. You played with Tiger that day. Yeah, Tiger had a chance to win. I had a chance maybe going into the back nine to win. And Payne Stewart won. It was he he was behind us. Him and Phil were behind us. We were the second group. 
And I just remember Tiger hitting at 12 feet on 17 and three putting from 12 feet. Yeah. I mean, when's the last time Tiger's ever done that when he's in contention? Yeah. I thought he was going to make it. It was all dewy. It was weird. Pinehurst was like, it was like in the summer, you know, while we're playing the U.S. Open, but it was like cold. Mm-hmm. And the one thing I remember is Payne Stewart actually designed and made the sleeveless. Yeah, he cut them off. Yeah, cut off he the cut the sleeves off so he could swing better. And that's how, you know, they had the sleeveless. Uh, yeah, the vest. Yeah, yeah, yeah whatever. Uh, rain jacket. Huh. So, like, isn't that the best? So, like, when you watch, like, the golf channel, you watch the reruns of the 99 Open, the 99 Everyone's got the British sleeves down and, to the. You know? My question for you is, how many of your listeners were have been born before 99? Probably not many. Yeah, you guys oh, are yeah. young. Most you got a young oh, following. Okay. Yeah. All right. I mean, it's so, probably mostly 25 and up, I would say. All right. All yeah, right. so 99. Yeah, that's 20 years yeah, ago. That's yeah. 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy right, right. when you meet somebody that, you know, they were born after 9-11 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, right. crazy, huh? It's hot, yeah. Some of these AMs, like, born in the 2000s and stuff. All right, well, thanks, guys. Yeah, yeah thank, oh, you thank, thank you having, for coming oh, on. See, so so yeah, I told you, you should go forever. Yeah, let's do it again. Did we leave any stories on the table? We left a lot of stories on the table. I guess our last question for everybody is always, when's the last time you paid for a round of golf? And you get varying answers. You know, we've asked this to Mine was last week. Okay. Last week, last Monday, I had to go Monday qualify for the barbersaw because I wasn't in and I had to pay to play and a practice. And you know, you talked Whoa. about being 45 years old, what it's like to be 45. So I, I'm playing in Vegas and I had to pay for a yard book, range balls, and a cart fee. And that's where it hit like, all right, I'm not a PGA Tour player much anymore. So, and that was to do a Monday qualifier. Yeah. So you're like paying to play. I'm like, yep, the perks aren't there anymore. Yeah, but I, as long as I can get a few of those tees, I'll be fine. We'll get you yeah, some exactly. tees. I need some of your tees. Got you guys some. got kick-ass tees. Right, Best tees out of the market. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Really appreciate right. it. Let's get it right, club. Be the right club today. Yeah. Johnny, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Expect anything.